This morning's Bible reading is from John chapter 8, uh, verses 12 to 20. Dispute over Jesus' testimony. When Jesus spoke again to the people, he said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. The Pharisees challenged him, here you are, appearing as your own witness. Your testimony is not valid. Jesus answered, even if I testify on my own behalf, my testimony is valid, for I know where I came from and where I am going. But you have no idea where I come from or where I am going. You judge by human standards. I pass judgment on no one. But if I do judge, my decisions are true because I am not alone. I stand with the Father who sent me. In your own law, it is written that the testimony of two witnesses is true. I am one who testifies for myself. My other witness is the Father who sent me. Then they asked him, where is your father? You do not know me or my father, Jesus replied. If you knew me, you would know my father also. He spoke these words while teaching in the temple courts, near the place where the offerings were put. Yet no one seized him because his hour had not yet come. Well, one of the ways we're going to remember the period that we're living in right now, um, when we look back on it, is that this has been a period of history where in the Western world there's been a distrust um, building towards institutions, towards the media. Um, uh, I'm, you know, I love following the American election, you know, um, politics and stuff, listening to all the podcasts about that. And both the leading candidates of um, the parties, Republican and Democratic Party, are both have that as a theme that Donald Trump has his fake news sort of thing that he pushes. But also Bernie Sanders is talking about you can't trust the corporations with what they're doing with the money, with your money. This is a period that we're living in, and I, I wonder if we have that in Australia too, a, a contempt for the institutions, for, for government, for... Um, for, for even the church. Um, we don't trust the information given to us anymore, uh, even when we're reading it on, uh, on, on social media, on the social media platforms. And how are we supposed to believe anything? And this question is true for many people in terms of faith. How can you believe the churches? How can you believe uh, the Bible? Can we really trust what's written in it? You might even say the same thing about Jesus. How, how can I trust Jesus and what he says about himself and what's recorded about him? Well, that's the theme of today's sermon. How can we really trust Jesus and what he says about himself? If we remove um, the story we had last week, remember the story, the woman caught in adultery. If we were to get out our scissors and cut that out of the Bible... And just put it aside, because remember, uh, I talked about how uh, it was sort of introduced 900, in about 900 AD, we think, to the, the Gospel of John narrative. Um, and if we just read towards the end of chapter 7 and jumped, jump forward to our passage today, you, you see there's a, there's a nice flow, uh, narrative flow. Um, it's a continuation of the discussion that was happening about who really is Jesus that, that's happening in chap chapter 7. They're standing in the temple courts, in the court of women, near where the offering is put, as John writes. And Jesus begins by having one of his famous I am sayings. In the Gospel of John, Jesus has seven I am sayings. 
He says, I am the bread, I am light, I am the door, I am the shepherd, I am the resurrection and the life, I am the way, the truth and the life, I am the vine. And all of these seven sayings are ways for him to, to emphatically describe who he is. So you are, you are drawn into this imagery. And so we're going to look at one of those seven I am sayings in this passage. Let's have a look at this. Jesus says that he is the light of the world. Look at verse 12. When Jesus spoke again to the people, he said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. I am the light of the world. He draws from a, a rich um, collection of imagery from the Bible. To, to people who've read the Bible um, throughout their lives or familiar with Christian things, that doesn't sound like that sort of revolutionary um, a saying. But if you stop and think about what's he actually saying, I am the light of the world? Well, he's drawing from these rich biblical imagery. At the beginning of time, what's the first thing that's created? The first thing that's created is um, that's put into this kind of formless and void, void um, uh, uh, universe is the light. It was that light that goes on to give life to the world, shining on the plants and the animals, showing up in the beauty of God's creation. There's a sense in which we're to think of God as creator, the creator God, when Jesus says, I am the light of the world. But there's also sacred imagery here. He's, he's standing really close to these, in the temple courts, to these candelabra. This is, you know, the Feast of Tabernacles. And, you know, we're seeing these candelabra here and he's saying, I am the light. And we're to think, you know, th th these candelabra are pointing to the holiness of God, but Jesus himself is the holiness of God. There's this Paul Simon song, which is quite new. He's still writing songs to this day. And you, so you won't know it probably unless you're a, massive, a super fan of Paul Simon. And he says this verse, or this kind of chorus actually, Love is eternal, sacred light, free from the shackles of time. Evil is darkness, sight without sight, a demon that feeds on the mind. There's this contrast here between light and darkness, the sacredness of the light. Also when Jesus says, I am the light of the world, he's talking about himself as leader. There's a... There's a there's an image that he's evoking here of the pillar of fire in the desert that led the Israelites at night through the wilderness. He is the divine leader. John writes elsewhere, and various times, lots of times through the Bible, there's an imagery of God as light. God is light. And Jesus is identifying with God by saying, I am the light of the world. So much to think about. So when we meditate on Jesus as the light of the world... We should reflect on the light as an image of God's blessing. Meditate on the joy that he brings, like a beautiful sunrise in the morning. Meditate on light as a symbol of the life that God brings, just as darkness is a symbol of death, as the sun shines on the flowers and opens them up. So too does the light that Jesus shines give light to us. Light is also an image of God's truth. The psalmist writes that, the word is a lamp unto his feet to show the path. So the light shows up that which has been hidden, exposing the truth also. This is how God judges our hearts. So he guides and he judges through being the light. Light is also an image of God defeating evil. So at the end of the story of the Bible in the book of Revelation, 
It is the light of God which literally obliterates the darkness, all traces of darkness. And one of my favourite verses in the Bible, Revelation 22 verse 5, And night shall be no more, they need no light of lamp or sun, for the Lord God will be their light. Wow, all this imagery. And this is why even Jesus goes on to say to his disciples, you are the light of the world. He says, at one time, I'm the light of the world. Then he says, you are the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Jesus says that his followers will become the light of the world. He says this in the Sermon on the Mount. Paul, Paul also says a similar thing that... Christians are like stars in the universe, transformed by God's perfect grace and love. Now, there's obviously a difference between Christians and Christ. Christ is the source of the light, and it's like Christians bring their lamp and, and light their torches on the, on the light, the source, which is Christ himself. And Paul... Um, the Apostle brings all these themes together. Well, he brings the first theme of creation and, the, the, and then this theme of conversion and new creation together when he says, it is when we convert to Christ, that it is God who said, let light shine out of darkness, who has shone in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Christ. So that same light in Genesis 1 is the same light that shines in you when you say yes to Jesus and transforms you. There's a great scene in um, the movie Blues Brothers. Hands up who's seen Blues Brothers. I'm just doing a bit of a... Oh, you guys have got to watch movies. Blues Brothers, one of the most famous movies of the 1980s. And um, there's a scene where they go in the back of the church and I think they're trying to get the, the band members out of the church band. And James Brown is the, is the preacher. You know, James Brown, the, the, the father of soul and funk, and uh, he's, 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 he yells out the back to them, do you see the light? Do you see the light? And then they do see the light. I see the light. It's funny. And then he starts doing these flips down the aisle, and then there's this great scene. The church is like people are jumping and doing somersaults like they're on trampolines, and the whole church comes alive. When the light of Jesus enters our hearts, we do want to do cartwheels down the aisle, you know, Jesus saying that I am the light of the world causes us to clap our hands. It causes us to shout for joy. It causes us to sing. This is, this is dancing on the rooftops kind of information that we're learning here from Jesus. He's bringing all these huge themes together, saying I am the light. He's pointing to God's creation, God's truth, God's leadership, God's protection, God's judgment, God's victory over evil, God's salvation of us. And God's transformation of us through our lives, glorifying us into lights, stars in the universe. So I invite you to step into the light, to bask in the sunshine of his glory and to become truly illuminated, to become a blues brother. Now, you might be thinking, oh, yeah, sounds good, Peter, but why, you know, whatever. Why should I believe that Jesus is the light of the world. And this is what happens in the story too. The Pharisees are like, whatever, why should we believe you? 
The, the Pharisees didn't even consider what Jesus was saying is true. Instead, they come back at him with this annoying technical issue, which is what often people do when they're arguing with each other. They nitpick, don't they? They say, so they say to him, what authority do you have to say these things about yourself? You are trying to be your own witness. You need to have two witnesses, they say. That's what the law says. And this is a weird misapplication of the law of Moses about having to have two witnesses to prove that something is true. Your testimony about yourself is not valid, they're saying. It has no legal basis. I ask you, why, why believe what Jesus is saying? Why believe it? Well, he, he has three arguments here, two which are very clearly stated and one which is implied. The arguments for why we should believe him are <laughs> really interesting. Jesus essentially says, believe me because I am me. Secondly, he says, by implication, believe me by looking at me. And thirdly, he says, believe me because of what my father says. So let's look at these three arguments. Believe me because I am me. Verse 14, Jesus answered, Even if I testify on my own behalf, my testimony is valid. For I know where I came from and where I am going. But you have no idea where I come from or where I am going. I know where I came from and where I am going. And if you read the whole of the Gospel of John, you know what he's talking about. Because in the opening verses of the first chapter of John, it talks about him being there at the creation, the Son of God is the one through whom the creation is made. So that's where he came from and he knows where he's going because, because we have all this imagery in John and then in the book of Revelation, also written by John, of Jesus being the one at the end of time. And Jesus has this perspective that nobody else has. So Jesus is saying we can believe what, Je what he says about himself because of who he is. He has this perspective that no one else has and he is the Son of God. He's so awesome that whatever he says about himself must be true. Now, you might think if you're a bit of a philosopher or into logic that this is a bit of a dumb argument. But actually, I'll come back at you and I'll say it's actually more profound than you might think. When I did my undergraduate, I, I did some philosophy subjects and I took the metaphysics subject, subjects, plural, and in metaphysics, you deal with questions like, does God exist and what are the arguments for and against God and what is God like if God exists? And the interesting thing about these kind of arguments in metaphysics, talking about these grand things of the universe, is they're often very simple arguments, very, very simple ideas that are profound that you have to spend ages thinking about. For example, one of the famous arguments for the existence of God goes like this. God is defined as perfect in every way. We can conceive of that which is perfect, even if we cannot understand it. Three, that which is conceived of as perfect only in the mind is actually less perfect than that which is perfect in reality. Four, if God exists only as a concept in the mind, then we can conceive of something even more perfect which is a God that actually exists. Five, we cannot conceive of anything more perfect than God. Six, therefore, 
If we can conceive of a most perfect being, then that conception must exist. Lastly, therefore, God exists. It's a very famous argument. Now, there's lots of people who debated that. But that's the kind of arguments you have in metaphysics. You play around with these very simple, that sound like too, too good to be true arguments. The idea of believing Jesus because of who he is, is one of those arguments. But think about it like this. If God is God, then no other higher authority can be appealed to in order to prove that he is God. For then that higher, other higher authority actually becomes God. Jesus is God in the flesh. Therefore, Jesus knows what he is talking about and you can't appeal to any higher authority. If Jesus really is the Son of God, surely he can make the bold statement that I am the light of the world. And we can trust that. But the Pharisees can't even see Jesus' greatness for what it truly is. And this leads us to the second implied argument, which is, believe me by looking at me. It's embedded in the image of the statement, I am the light. The argument is that we can believe Jesus by observing him. And this can become an alternative to what might look like a circular argument, believe Jesus just because of who he is. Light, by its very nature, convinces us that it is light by observing it. But why, it's by, by what it does for us. It is difficult to prove that light is light in an essay or something. Do we have light here? Let's just write an essay about it. You, all you have to do is look and see, is the thing being glow, glowing and shining because of the light? Well, therefore, we've got light. It is only truly light to us when it causes something else to glow. All the people have to do is watch Jesus and they can see that he really is the light of the world. They can observe his miracles, his divine teaching, who he is. The logic is sound. Uh, Luke Singleton told me this story about when he was doing, um, he's, uh, he was studying in New York University for a month with Monash, through the Monash Jazz Course, and they got to study with all these great jazz people in, in, uh, in the university. And he was having this master class where he got to play in an ensemble. And the master that came was this uh, harmonica player called Gregoire Marais, Gregoire Marais. And he introduces himself to the, the students like this. He's Argentinian, I think. Yeah, he's Argentinian. He goes, my name is Gregoire Marais. I am the greatest jazz harmonica player in the world. Now, I, I've played with a lot of musicians, many arrogant musicians, but no one has ever introduced themselves as the greatest player in the world. And... Uh, this is a pretty bold thing to say. Mostly you would be turned off if a person said that to you. Now I asked Luke if Gregoire Marais was in fact a good harmonica player and he said, actually he, he, he was pretty good. <laughs> He's uh, pretty, pretty good. The proof was in his harmonica playing. His bold claim was backed up when he pulled out that harmonica and started playing. And I have to say, I've been listening to some Gregoire Marais. You should look it up. It is so amazing. I'm hooked. The problem for the Pharisees was they don't even know what a good harmonica player sounds like. They don't even know what a Messiah should look like. Not even the profound way he treated the woman caught in adultery or not even the way he healed the man on the Sabbath or 
not even through um, his teaching. They couldn't see it. They can only judge him according to the flesh, which is weak and incomplete. Jesus says in verse 15, I pass judgment on no one, but if I do judge, my decisions are true because I am not alone. I stand with the Father who sent me. This is a slightly unexpected point he is making here. He didn't come to earth to judge. Well, at least not in the way the Pharisees are thinking. He actually came to save people. He came to judge in a different sense. He came to be the judge that showed grace. And they just couldn't see that. They they weren't looking for that. Many of you know the famous verse, John 3.16. But do you know John 3.17? For God did not send his son in the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. John 12.47, he says, If anyone hears my words but does not keep them, I do not judge that person, for I did not come to judge the world, but to save the world. They didn't know what to look for, the Pharisees, so they couldn't tell that he really was the light. I encourage you to spend your days observing Jesus' life, to look at him, the light of the world, and to see what you see. What happens is that when people actually do this, and they are open and humble as they they observe through the scriptures, that they start to get convinced that Jesus really is the light of the world. Well, there's a third argument that he says, more explicitly, which is, believe me, because of what my father says. The Pharisees try and offer this pathetic argument about there needing to be two... You've got to have two witnesses to prove that you really are who you say you are. And being a brilliant... um, the, the, the perfect embodiment of, of the, the wisdom of God. He knew how to engage with a dumb argument and actually say something profound. So he, Jesus engages with their dumb argument. Verse 17, in your own law, in other words, in the law that you're appealing to, in the law of Moses, he says, it is written that the testimony of two witnesses is true. I am the one who testifies for myself. My other witness is the Father who sent me. So there are two witnesses to him being the light of the, of the world. And they are Jesus himself and his Father in heaven. And this is Trinitarian tricky business, isn't it? And they definitely didn't understand what he was talking about when he said that. The Father, but we, we, when we read the Gospels, we can see it. The Father has given witness to who Jesus is, famously in Jesus' baptism with John the Baptist. But... This is true also in Jesus' miracles, through the, the word of God in the hearts of, the, of the, Jesus' audience, through the scriptures. No other human witness can function like this. No other human witness can authenticate a divine relationship between the Father and the Son like the Father. But they didn't understand what he was talking about. They say to him, verse 19, So where is your Father? Jesus says, You don't know me or my Father. The Pharisees are expecting, you know, his dad to walk out and go, here I am. They didn't understand that he was talking about God. Jesus is saying, in fact, also, because this is Trinitarian tricky business, he's saying, actually, I'm God. If you knew me, you would know my father also. To know Jesus is to know the father, for both are fully God 
and God is one. Now, with such a huge claim from Jesus, you would expect there to be a riot and for him to be arrested and killed. But his hour had not yet come. His hour to die on the cross had not yet come. So no one does anything. When Jesus is crucified, it will be his time according to his plan when his hour has come. He's not going to die according to their agenda, but to his own or to God's agenda. So there are three reasons to believe what Jesus says about himself. Believe him because of who he is, believe him by looking at him, and believe him by what his father says. So what should you do? My suggestion to you is that if you want to trust in Jesus' testimony about himself, look a bit more closely at his life. See if it rings true. Uh, you can come to our Alpha course, which is going to start on Tuesday, April the 14th. There you go, there's a launch date um, after Easter. So you can talk to me and flick about that. And that'll be like a course where we look at the basic um, statements and, and main ideas that are in Christianity about understanding Jesus and why he had to die and what does it mean to be a Christian. Then you can keep getting to know him throughout your life. Know Jesus by immersing yourself in the Bible because you forget. You can be a Christian your whole life and then get to a point and you go, I, I, I don't really know him anymore, I've forgotten. It might just be that you haven't looked closely for a while. Come with an open mind and humility. This is what it means to step in the light. And to step in the light means to try praying. I don't mean any old praying, but prayer where you just sit with God and, and ask him to reveal himself to you. You could try downloading the app um, Pray As You Go. And that might help you if you need some guidance. It's a free app, pray as you go. might help you meditate on him. You can also try stepping in the light through obedience. Try doing what the Bible says, living out the claims of Jesus. See how that works for you. Look closely at Jesus. Pray, obey, step in the light. You can distrust the institutions. You can distrust the media, but you can trust in Jesus. Let's pray. Lord God, uh, thank you for this story. Thank you that you are the light that shines on us and that if we believe in you, that we too become the light of the world. We pray that um, for each one of us in this room that we will know that to be true. Amen.